Apple presents events at the Apple Store. Let's take a look at the trailer for The Bachelor Weekend. How's the wedding plans going? Each detail is as important as the last one. This is us. He is so cute. You're a strange, strange man. I need you to organize a stag for Fanon. Fanon is not a stag guy. No way. No stags. Maybe your walking holiday is just a bit too rough and tumble for him. Fine. Stag it is. A stag. Woof. Ah! Hey, you have to invite the machine. What? He's my brother. You have to invite him. The machine? No. He is insane. You rampant herbersexualist. No signal. I've got this compass to keep us on track. No! We are going off beast. We have a little hash and we can't sleep. So beautiful. You need to roam free. We're out there. Mistakes were made. You can't say sorry, can you? Be a man. Wait for me! Hell, I could have sworn the lake was here. We can do this. Not back, lads. Yeah. No. The machine, are you okay? You are not masturbating in here. Further away! Further away! Jesus! Please welcome this evening's guest moderator from IndieWire, Drew Taylor, and tonight's guests, John Butler, Hugh O'Connor, and Peter McDonald. So my first question is obviously, whether this was intentional or not, it plays like a very, very Irish response to something like The Hangover and these sort of very American comedies where guys go out and get into trouble. Um, how much of that was on your mind and what were you sort of intentionally trying to subvert with this? Well, we love... Um we love those comedies, we love uh, American comedy films, and we wanted to make a film about uh, men that we know and recognize in that context. So without sacrificing any of the jokes, we wanted to do a, tell a story that had some heart with, in, in the middle, uh, a real beating heart. So the intention was to combine the jokes with the heart. Right. That's, that, was the, uh, that was the kind of manifesto. And obviously the, the sort of breakout character in this is, is the machine. Uh, Peter, can you talk about sort of where he came from? Where, who was who, who he in your life? Because it, it seems like such a real character that he must have been drawn sort of from, from real existence. Uh, yeah, there's a few people that we probably know in there. Um, but he wasn't based on anyone in particular. Um, but he's, he's based on the guy that if you turn up to the stag and he's there... Uh, or the bachelor party, and he's there, your your heart immediately sinks because you go, I'm going to have to spend two to three days with this guy, and I've only done five minutes, and I'm already in hell. So that was kind of the initial idea for him, but obviously we, we had to find a, a deeper character within there, which there normally is, but also the machine is a guy who just says what he thinks and feels. He's got no edit function, so he's a great you know, character in any situation. He'll explode it. Well, I was going to ask all three of you guys, sort of what, what is the sort of stereotypical stag 
party in Ireland? Because it's probably a little bit different than what we experience here. Uh, I suppose tons of alcohol, uh, an overnight visit to a central European location, strippers, uh, depravity, raging hangovers, tears, arguments, and a budget flight home. <laughs> Maybe it's not so different. Um, <laughs> did you worry about the movie ever being sort of too Irish? I don't think uh, such a concept exists, personally. Um, I would like to know what the audience feels. But uh, no, I mean, I think with all writing, and I'm sure Peter agrees as well, that you try and write something specific and then hope that there's a universal resonance in it. You know, our interest was in writing characters that felt real to us and resonant to us. And if you committed that, then there's a chance that it works. So, uh, John, I just wanted to ask you sort of what was your process like in sort of, you know, he's a very realistic character. But, and, and sort of the most realistic in these kind of oddballs that you're with, what was it like sort of developing that character, especially with these two? Um, there's a lot of shame involved in what we had to do. Uh, uh, I'm apologizing already for what you've seen, even in the trailer. Um, but, uh, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a, a theater set designer, so he's quite precise about what he does. Um, some people would think that's overbearing or annoying, but I think it's just normal. Um, and I don't really want to go in a stag. I think it's kind of a bit, you know, you know, a lot of men together. It's just, it's just too much. So I would go in her hen weekend very happily. We could go to the Brandenburg Gate. You know, it would be interesting for me. Um, but that scene is being a bit too metrosexual. So I think that's where my character needs to take his journey. <laughs> well, let's look at the scene where uh, I think you're trying to convince uh, your co-star. Davin, yeah. Yes, Davin, who uh, is you guys might know from Sherlock to come on this uh, stag trip, right? Thank you. No, no. Yes. This is the brother who... Yes. With the... Yeah. And the... Mm -hmm. No, no, no. We are doomed. Well, we call off the stag. We call it off. We can't. She'll know why. There is no exit strategy here. The machine. You have no idea what it's like to spend five minutes with this man over drinks on Christmas Eve, let alone a whole weekend up a mountain. He is insane. And as far as I'm concerned, it is all your fault. Why is it my fault? For suggesting the idea in the first place. Like an imbecile. I did. You should never dabble in social conventions that were not designed for you. Jesus, for all, I am at work. I am actually about to give a lecture. You fix it. Okay, yeah, I'll fix it. I'll, I'll call him. I'll say it's a kind of a, a literary walk. No, religious. Yeah, religious. A religious pilgrimage. A pilgrimage. A religious abstinent pilgrimage to various shrines. A, a silent, religious, abstinent pilgrimage to various shrines. Ancient shrines. And say the weather forecast is really bad. Terrible, terrible weather. And tell them the Kevins are gay. Make them trannies. Vestite or sexual? Vestite. Do it now. Make the call. No. I can't work until it's done. Yeah, okay, I can't either, so... Give yeah. me your phone. What do you mean, why? No, but why can't we do it on your phone? Because you're the best man. Okay. Swinging. Hi, this is Davin. I'm a friend of Fanon's who's marrying your sister. This weekend we are going, we are embarking on a silent walking retreat with some 
transsexual friends of ours in the rain. And we wanted to let you know that. Ah, uh, you can call me back if you want, but it will be just as I say, wet and silent and boring and weird. Okay, bye, bye. Keep me posted. And remember, this is all your fault. Hilarious. Uh, can you guys, each of you, talk about what it was like filming this thing? Because it seems like it was quite rough for uh, a lot of it, and probably with, without a huge budget, it must have been tricky to, to pull off. Um, yeah, it was. we filmed it for 20 days. Um, so four five-day weeks in November in Ireland, which is uh, traditionally quite a, a cold and wet <laughs> period in a climate that is pretty cold and wet anyway. Right. So... The challenges, on, uh, I'll let the guys answer for the acting side of things, but uh, in terms of production, it was tight. Uh, but uh, Peter and I, I suppose, had taken care to write a script that we knew would work, and we had great producers who knew how to run a good operation. So there were challenges, but it was hugely enjoyable. Right. I don't think the Irish Tourism Board is going to contact you anytime. It's very wet, very rainy. But, I mean, people could be inspired, I guess. The rain is beautiful. <laughs> it's beautiful rain. True Irishman. What about you guys from an acting standpoint? What were some of the challenges? Uh, there was shrinkage. <laughs> I'm just going to leave it at that. <laughs> you guys do get nude uh, in this movie. Yes, we do. Um, can you talk about that? Um, yeah, we see was... a lot of Peter's ass in this movie, I must say. Yeah, um, that's why you should go and see it. <laughs> um, it was cold. It wasn't as cold as it could have been because we shot it in November. Um, but it uh, threw us in together. Um, everyone was very much on the same page to start with but when you have to do that as a cast it's uh, a good bonding experience and um, we had a no moaning policy on set so you couldn't even grumble about it, you couldn't even refer to it um, which was uh, interesting because you could see it cross certain people's faces that jeez it's cold um, but they couldn't vocalise it so uh, <laughs> That was quite, it's, those moments in themselves were very funny. Um, but the, the guys were real troopers, you know. Um, they really just dug in and uh, it was, it, you know, it's, they're tight shoots, but it was fun. We had to wear um, onesies when we weren't naked. I think you were saying, I remember there were superhero onesies. So Michael Legg was, a, I think he was Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Yeah, so when we were obviously, we took kind of, we had some costume women there who were lovely and very patient. And by day two, we knew each other really, really well. Um, and they would just kind of be waiting by the, by, the, by the cameras kind of to put our onesies on. And we'd be like, I'm so sorry. And they'd be like, it's okay. And this was for, for heat purposes for heat, or just yeah, for fashion? Okay. Yes, not for fashion, no. This yeah. is a zero Winnebago shoot. There was nowhere to go uh, other than around an electric heater between takes. So, I mean, there's a, there's a huge physical demands on these guys. Well, did you guys sort of bond over this, particularly actors? I mean, were you guys like, are you, or did you just never want to see each other again? Never again. <laughs> no, we did. It was great. I mean, we, 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 we knew each other. We've worked together a few times before, so we, um, we, we were really, we hadn't actually worked with, Pete's worked with Andrew Scott before, so uh, he really made us raise our game a bit, I think, in terms of just being a little bit intimidated by how good he is. So um, we had to try and just be a little bit better than usual, which is really unfair, but we tried. Um. Uh, let's look at another clip. Uh, this is uh, Peter falling down uh, over an electric fence. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, this, I will grant you, is a slightly different proposition. 
Does anyone want to touch it there, see what we're dealing with volts-wise? No. <laughs> no, no. Can you feel anything? Oh, I can hear it. Oh! Oh! How is it for you, enormous Gavin? It's unbelievably electric. Well, you can't get under it. And we can't get over it. Wait now. It's a straight-up vault, boys, I'm telling you. Let's see. We can do this. It's not back, lads. Watch yourselves. What you need is you need a little bit of a run-up into it. You gotta commit. You gotta come in a pace with a bit of zip. It's physics. Yeah. No. Oh! 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 oh my god. Fire! The machine, are you okay? <laughs> It's like that scene from Jurassic Park, you know, when the little kid gets zapped. Uh, do we have any audience questions? Anybody want to ask questions for these Irishmen? So when you saw each other naked, were there things you learned about each other that you never thought you were going to learn? And um, what was uh, finding these sets that had to be a pretty interesting chore? Well, there were things I suspected that uh, turned out to be true. Should we say? <laughs> yeah, Michael Legg, who plays my brother, revealed his shirt for the first day, and he was fully ripped, like a six-pack. And we were like, <laughs> we swore at him a lot. We were like, that's not fair. You were not allowed to do that. We were like supposed to look normal anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what was part two of the question? Oh, the locations, yeah. Well, when you, when you uh, make a film in, um, under the conditions we made it, you have to be within a certain radius of, the, of Dublin, of your unit base. So um, the majority of the locations are, are a, a short drive from Dublin City, but uh, we're blessed in that we have uh, fantastic uh, views and scenery very close to the city centre. So it was, uh, the, the location is supposed to be deep in rural Ireland, but in reality it was less than an hour from the city. So, yeah, it was good. As far as technique, was there rehearsal period, how much improv, and then technical in terms of setting up uh, how many cameras and what kind of camera equipment? Um, we shot the film on a red Epic. Um, and uh, in terms of rehearsal, we had, was it four days? Yeah, it was four days, yeah. Yeah, four days beforehand. Um, which gave us time to uh, rehearse some of the longer, uh, more uh, dialogue-heavy scenes and to just familiarize ourselves with each other, which was actually invaluable because if you want to create some kind of a company feel, then um, those moments that you get before you go onto the set are, are, are very important because you can discuss things and obviously all the actors can feed in their own information and ideas into the, into the development of the, of the characters, you know. So, yeah, some rehearsal. And uh, I don't think you could do too much of that, to be honest. It was great. And also when you hear the, 
the script being read aloud by the actors who are going to play the parts, you immediately know, hey, we're going to have to lose that line. Or maybe you need it a little bit more here. So you do some rewrites in the rehearsal room as you go along. It's really valuable. Yeah, I think especially for a comedy, it starts to come alive when it's engaging the ear, you know. So the table reads and the, and the rehearsal are, are fantastic because there's no escaping the feeling that you get when you hear jokes that don't work, you know. They just have to be binned. Or was it, uh, yeah, was there improv once you got to the uh, shooting or were you pretty much stick with what you did in rehearsal uh, certainly, yeah. I mean, I think uh, actors will always contribute in excess of what's on the page in some ways, you know, whether it's just a level of interpretation that's slightly different or an advancement on an original idea. Um, but Peter and I took a lot of care to write a script that worked, that, that we felt worked, that it was structured in a way that it was very clear what the story was going to be. So, uh, and we didn't really have time to go and find the, the film uh, on location because of the restraints. So. I mean, yes, obviously it's a collaboration, but uh, at the same time there were story beats that just had to be nailed before you moved on. There wasn't a huge amount of time. And I think sometimes with a lot of improv, you can feel it. You can feel the energy is slightly different and it's, I don't know, it can sometimes draw you out of the, the, the moment as a viewer, I feel. Also, with improvisation, sometimes uh, actors are consciously trying to be funny as opposed to just being their characters and that the characters are funny. Um, so sometimes the character development can drift a little bit, uh, and I think the audience can pick up on that. It can be really funny, but also it makes the film longer, <laughs> which isn't what you want. <laughs> so there's no Apatowian link uh, issues with this movie. It's a very tight, what, 90-something, 90 94 minutes? 93. Like 93, yeah. Yeah, and it's important. I, think, I don't think comedies, to be fair, I don't think they should be any longer right. uh, or much longer, you know. We, we always had an eye on that, that number, that uh, ideal duration. Yeah, even while we, while we were speaking, you could just see John looking at his watch and going, <laughs> again. Yeah. And we sped up the voices in post as well, so their pitch is higher, you'll notice. Was there anything that you were really sad to sort of lose in, in order to keep that 93 minutes? And, that, and this goes for, for the actors too. There's always stuff in there that you don't, you know, that, you, that it doesn't end up in the film, that, you know, you, like little moments or things, but uh, for the most part, they stayed in. Um, but when you test screen the film, you have convictions about what the, you know, the edit of the film and what's working and what isn't, but you really don't know anything, until, especially with a comedy, until you put it in front of an audience. Yeah. You just don't know. And they tell you what it is. There was a nice argument in the opening scene between Davin and Phnom where they, they gave out to each other about their relative uh, lack of knowledge about single malt whiskey. And uh, it played long, but it was funny. And I think it was, it was uh, disappointing for us to have to cut that. But I guess that's part of the journey. And when did you know the movie was working? I mean, when, when was the first realization that, okay, people are going to laugh at, at this stuff? Um, well, we did a... Uh, I guess there were various points, but we, we did some um, screenings where we brought rough cuts to different audiences and, and tried to gauge uh, the response to individual moments. And I think that's invaluable in comedy, definitely. Uh, I think it's invaluable anyway, because it's just, it gives you a degree of objectivity. Once it's released to an audience, you suddenly know inside you what's wrong with it and you want to take it back and finish it. Right. So I thought that was invaluable. And we did uh, maybe four or five of those. So. I felt it was, it was when we were writing it. I mean, like every time you show the film, you hope it's going to work. Like we showed it last night here, and oh, though we've shown it to many different audiences in different countries, you're still going, I hope they laugh, I hope they enjoy it as much as other people do. So you're constantly being tested by it. Um, 
But I think, uh, for me, it was when we wrote the scene around the campfire. That's when I felt, okay, well, this is actually going to work as a movie that uh, exists on the big screen um, because it's a point where we have enough knowledge about the characters to understand what's going on between the lines and how they're revealing themselves, but it's done without any dialogue. And it's done through um, basically performances that really only work up on the big screen. I mean, even on the small screen, it doesn't read as well, you know. As what, but you know, it still works. But it, it still makes works it on iTunes and yeah. on demand. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, it works, works amazingly it works on, on iTunes. It, no, it works on the small screen as well, but it makes it cinematic. Yeah. Good evening. Um, I'm curious. During the 20 days, you said 20 days of actual filming. Yeah. Um, I'm curious what type of social media strategies, as the production and also as the actors, you all might have implemented to just kind of vent or just to kind of uh, get your followers invested in what you're about to do, but still kind of holding on to the secrets. Just can you tell me a little bit about maybe the advanced. Uh, plans and strategies that you guys use for your social media and what you guys did? Um, we obviously uh, had Twitter and Facebook on the go during the shoot, but we would post an occasional photo from the set or, you know, we'd all be tweeting from our own accounts as well. Um, and we'd try and drip feed some of that stuff out into the world and, and get a sense of it, uh, you know, ahead of time. But... I have to be honest and say that you're so completely consumed by the process of not making a, a, a bad film that uh, that stuff really, it was relegated in importance. And then afterwards in the edit or from there on, the, the ramping up could possibly begin more in earnest, you know. Uh, it's just so all consuming. I think it is from a, an acting and writing point of view and certainly from a directing point of view that you just want to keep your eye on that thing and everything else is excluded until that's done. It is an interesting question, though, uh, but I suppose when you make a, a smaller film like this, um, you don't feel like the eyes of the world are on you in terms of fans, and so there's a relative freedom to that. So it's very hard for larger films, as we see now, to keep their secrets uh, under wraps. And then, obviously, the way people market movies now, the trailers have to be very long, and they have to give a lot of things away. So uh, as social media develops more and more and more. It's a tricky balance for people to, to get right. Well, we didn't release anything about the film, um, but I mean, I guess the biggest part of the process will be the trailer for us, right? Yeah, exactly, yeah. I think the trailer was the, is, the, is the, literally the selling point of the film. There was an awareness of it in Ireland anyway, because it's called a stag in Ireland, and, and uh, you know, that was just something that people could hold on to and go, okay, well, I know what that is, you know. Uh, so there was, and, and because of who we cast and all that, there was a, an awareness that this film was coming down the pipe, and, and, and people were interested in it from the outset. But I think, yeah, I think you're right. Before the trailer was, uh, was ready to go, there wasn't really much uh, conscious uh, pushing on our part, you know. My social media strategy is just to retweet, retweet praise constantly <laughs> and just watch your follower account just, just go down and down and, and just not care. You just be like, I don't care. Can we, t can we tweet your pants? Because I'm just looking at your pants right now and they're incredible. They're like, what are they, like cheetah print or something? These are like, Hughes pants have their own Twitter account. They're, they're really good. That's Hughes, right. Hughes it's, pants it's are going to be the new, the new they're, Twitter They're account. actually an optical illusion. <laughs> That's his flesh. Are they that weird? I love them. I think they're great. He's got a lot of heat about his pants at, at, at different uh, press events. Not have, always have you good. Only been, have you been wearing the same pants to everything? No, there's a different <laughs> pair of pants. Can we 
briefly discuss those check pants? I don't really want to talk about those pants right now. <laughs> but you know the pants. I'm never wearing them again. I, I wore them at the film, the Dublin Film Festival, and you wrote something really offensive about them, <laughs> and then it got retweeted a lot. And I actually, not only did I did I delete the pictures, but I also threw the pants away. There was a headline was the in the newspaper the following day solely concerned with yeah, Hughes pants. That's not true. <laughs> Open brackets, that is true. Close brackets. The headline was man in ridiculous pants. <laughs> Rumoured to be actor Hugh O'Connor. If I lived in Florida, I think everyone wouldn't even notice. I don't know what the problem is. They were Floridian. <laughs> you said you went to different countries to show the film. Which country was most difficult to translate the comedy to, besides Germany? It's playing, in, it's opening in Germany in a week, I think, or two weeks. Um, we brought it here uh, this time last year, actually, and so it's really gratifying to be back with the finished product at, at Tribeca. Um, it's in a, the film is, in, is written in an in a American uh, tradition of comedy, so it was really important to us that we, we had a sense that the jokes might land here and, and that it might resonate with the audience here. Um, it also, we did it in London, I think, as well. Um, but it'll be really fascinating for us as filmmakers to see how it goes down in Australia or, you know, Spain or Mexico or Poland. You know, I think, you know, like I said at the beginning, I hope, you just hope that something universal will resonate with people, you know. John actually went to South Korea with the film. Um, I completely forgot about that. How, how did that go? They adored it. Yeah, it was incredible. And they, they, their questions afterwards were so specific. You remember this? Questions pertaining to motivations of minor characters. Like, they really loved it. And, you know, at its heart, it's a story, you know, the story of Davin is a man who's in love with regret. You know, a romantic, a guy who has difficulty relating to his best friend. And then the story of the machine is of a man who is, uh, who conveys incredible strength, but there is a weakness within him that needs to be fixed also. Like, those things are, are totally... Universal, yeah, absolutely. We, we also went to Italy with it. Yeah, the Italians loved it. And also, uh, Italians absolutely love you too. And um, there's a scene in the film uh, where a character says uh, he can't stand you too, he doesn't like them. Uh, where, uh, whereas my character adores them. Um, but when that character said it in the film, in, in the theatre, there was a kind of an audible kind of, what? <laughs> You don't like you, you oh, do I? <laughs> are, you, are you crazy? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was really funny. Can you talk about getting the right, I mean, what was the sort of clearance issue with uh, that? Was that smooth sailing? Was it incredibly difficult? Was it most of the budget? What, what was it? I wouldn't describe it as smooth sailing, <laughs> but they were fantastically generous. Okay. Um, and they gave us the, the rights to use their most celebrated song. And it's a song that's very dear to their hearts as well, um, in terms of the story of their band staying together. and. So the song that they gave us is, is huge, and, and, they, and they were very generous, but we found out very close to the wire. We didn't, we didn't have any plan B, yeah, well, so. Yeah. But in fairness, we gave it to them only because the film came together so quickly. They didn't really have that much time to kind of assess the project and see whether it was something they could give their blessing to. So um, I think actually in terms of the timescale, they, they actually came in for us very well. Did they watch the movie? Have you heard from, from them what they thought? Well, I mean, they gave us the song based on reading the script. Okay. And obviously the concern for us would be that they'd get to page 50 and then throw it against the wall and go, this is an anti-U2 film, which it isn't. Obviously, we love them. So, uh, Has Bono not texted you yet, no? I'm <laughs> That's him. It's just in. <laughs> not for me, it says. <laughs> um, no, they were great. They were so, they were, it was so generous. They're, 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 uh, 
they don't have to they don't have to support small indie Irish films right. uh, comedies like this and and it was great that they did you know um, please be about Hugh's pants no but it actually is a question for Hugh um, you've been in big budget films like Three Musketeers you know that's that's how I know you <laughs> is from that um, so doing movies like that and then doing something smaller what's the benefit of of doing a smaller film I don't know no. <laughs> It actually makes me feel really old because they've remade The Three Musketeers since the one I was in. So they've remade a film that I've been in, so I feel really old now. Um, yeah, uh, I guess, you, you know, obviously the more money in a film, I suppose the less control you have over it maybe, I, I, a little bit. So, I mean, even though it's tough, it's great to have, you know, have, have kind of a pretty much a kind of control about what you're doing. I don't know, it's for you guys, would you say? And the less money you get paid. Correct. <laughs> um, yeah, although, I mean, actually, you know, the script, because it was so, so well written, we didn't really improv at all, but uh, we always, we, we, we were never told we couldn't, but they just vibed us. You know, they were like, don't, don't mess around with gold. <laughs> we didn't at all. The, the scene in the tent, you know, when they get stuck in the tent, that's pretty much improvised from inside. We didn't even know we were going to do that on the day until we got there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, we like to wrap this up with uh, you guys just sort of uh, giving, giving aspiring filmmakers uh, tips on what, what they could do. I mean, if you had, had to sort of impart your wisdom and this goes out to all three of you, uh, what would you tell them? Well, I, I was asked this earlier. I think the most important thing for somebody who's trying to make their first film, and that's such a hurdle to get over because obviously you're unproven, but I think the most important thing to do is to find producers who believe in the story because I think as a first-time filmmaker, you're not going to get money and by extension, the production is not going to get money. So it takes producers who believe in the story and understand the value of the story. And I think there's a cliche about producers as being kind of venal and money obsessed. And that might be true for people who weren't as lucky as Peter and I, but we had uh, Rob Walpole and Rebecca Flanagan there who basically bullied that film over the line. And as a first time filmmaker, I just think that's exactly the support that you need to find, you know? And I think it's rare. And, uh, and I think it's underappreciated in the business, so. What about you guys? Any tips? Words of wisdom? Uh, you really work hard on your script. Uh, get a great sense of what you're trying to make. Um, and uh, understand that everyone who brings, who comes to the table and all the disciplines that are, are involved in filmmaking are as important as the next. Because uh, that's how you get the, you know, your best film. Yeah. Um, I suppose as an actor, just do a lot of exercise and crunches every morning. I can't stress that enough here and here because one day this might happen to you as well. And I'm very sorry about that. Uh, I just wanted to, to thank our, our lovely participants here, Hugh, uh, Peter, and John. And I want to tell everybody to watch this movie because it's really cute and really funny and smart. And just it's just a wonderful, wonderful little film. So please, there's no excuse. Just go watch it. It's really fun. You'll have a great time. Thank, uh, you. thank you guys so much for coming out. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks very much, guys. Thanks, Cheers. Cheers.